Well, yes, the Big Ten Fight Songs means it's time for another edition of the A Few Good Men on the Big Ten podcast. I'm Bruce Hooley. He's Andy Anders back in the same location. Uh, We're still waiting for Big Ten football to start, but it's getting closer and closer. Not close enough. They're playing everywhere, but not here in the Midwest, Andy, at least not in the conference that we cover. Oh, no. Um, 12 days away, though. I'm very excited for that. Um, I'm happy to be back here with you as well, Uh, not having to do it over Zoom anymore. Quarantine over. Uh, I am COVID free. Excellent. Never, uh, never really had any symptoms, but um, you know, officially now COVID three for the free for the contact trace. Um, just excited to be talking Big Ten football. Again. I wish we had games to talk about. We will talk about some games, just not Big Ten games. But first, we want to remind you that the A Few Good Men on the Big Ten podcast is sponsored by American Betting Experts, one of the largest licensed sports and casino vendors in the U.S. We've teamed together to provide special gaming offers to all Landry football followers and podcast listeners. You are watching us on the Chris Landry Football channel on Twitch or hearing us at LandryFootball.com. Go to our website, LandryFootball.com. Click on the ad located in the upper right-hand side of the page. Pick among the gaming sites legal in your state, such as BetMGM, DraftKings, FanDuel, PointsBet. Sign up. You'll instantly receive an account deposit match or risk-free bet from $100 to $1,000. It is that easy. Go to LandryFootball.com. Click on the ad located in the upper right side of the page. Get in on the action with a special offer from American betting experts. I would assume when Ohio State and Nebraska get it underway on October the 24th on Big Noon kickoff that the Buckeyes will be prohibitive favorites. The interesting point spread, Andy, will be Ohio State at Penn State week two. That's got to be a hard one to assess for the people who are in the uh, point spread game because we're not going to have much of a sample size about Penn State. We're going to know about Ohio State based on a lot of returnees from last year. Typically, you know, playing at Beaver Stadium would be a factor you'd bring in now without fans how much do you factor that in if at all uh i don't think you you can always factor in home field advantage you know teams it's hard to travel um play on the road play in unfamiliar territory even at a level where you're you know you're ohio state obviously you're gonna have all the comforts on the road but um there's just nothing like playing in your home stadium so it, it swings i'd say a field goal um I would still, I guess if I were making odds, I would still list Ohio State as maybe a touchdown favorite in that game, um, whereas they'd be a 10-point favorite in the shoe. Um, I, I just I think that they have the more complete and known team coming back, especially without Micah Parsons. Yeah, especially without him. Now, there was a game Saturday that I think had there been fans, like there typically are fans, and I think they're allowing... 10 to 12,000 in the SEC, a full stadium in Oxford, Mississippi may have made a difference for Mississippi against Alabama, but Alabama was able to communicate offensively because of the relatively small number of fans in the building, and they were able to eke eke out 63 to 48. It doesn't sound like they eked it out, but that game was well in doubt with six minutes to go. Mac Jones and the Alabama offense looked fantastic, but boy, their defense looks absolutely dreadful. And Saturday, you know, Bama will be on the other side of that coin because they'll be home and they'll be playing Georgia two against three. But Georgia will be able to operate much more easily than they would if fans in Bama were there in full capacity and full throat and, you know, really cheering like you would think at a typical Bama home game. It'll be an intriguing game for both sides. I think you'll find out a lot about the power of the SEC this year. I am not sold on Georgia. I was far more sold on Alabama before Saturday. Yeah. Honestly, I was not expecting Ole Miss to shred them like that. That was a 
Alabama's defense got their butts kicked. And they I, sure did. Um, so Georgia's offense, I always thought, needed to face a real defense before I could buy in mm-hmm. to what they're doing this year. Um, and I, I, I haven't really seen that yet from them. But at, who who's to say Alabama's that defense now? I thought they would be. I thought this would be when I could, you know, you could figure out is Georgia for real or not. And they lost one of their best DBs, uh, even though their DBs didn't look very good. He is a starter. I'm sorry, I don't know the young man's name, but they lost one of their best DBs on a late targeting call in the last couple minutes. So he'll be out for the first half against Georgia. And what struck me as I watched Georgia uh, Saturday was. Boy, they're a really nice team. They'd be a really elite team if they had Justin Fields at quarterback. Absolutely. I, Justin Fields can take any team from great to elite. Yeah. I, yeah. So here's a question. I also watched Trevor Lawrence of Clemson on Saturday, and he looks fantastic. Last year he started out slow through a lot of interceptions. He's not doing that this year. He really looks good. Now, they don't have Justin Ross, but they've found some other receivers who are pretty good, and they're working in their five-star quarterback, Ugalele, I think is how you say his last name. He's phenomenal from St. John's Bosco Prep in California. But the guy who really stuck out to me Saturday besides Trevor Lawrence was Travis Etienne. Yes. Etienne just looks like – I mean, he was a great back last season. All Ohio State fans remember him shredding the secondary with those screen passes and a swing pass for a touchdown in the second quarter that I still do not know how he got in the end zone on that because he <laughs> was hemmed in. It was a great play by Etienne. Uh, he is – truly an elite running back for Clemson and adds another dimension that's really going to be difficult for teams to defend them down the road, whether it's Notre Dame, North Carolina, Ohio State, whoever it is. Goodness, how do you stop that offense consistently? You got Lawrence can throw it anywhere on the field, Mm -hmm. obviously. Full NFL arm talent and decision-making. And then he can run a little bit, too. A lot of people don't respect his running game as much as they should. And he burnt Ohio State a couple times in that game last year with his legs. And then you got ETN going off of that. And we've seen it in Ohio State's offense here, right? A mobile quarterback opens up the running game even more. Um, Just the threat of it, really, because not Justin Fields didn't run a whole lot last year, but the defense had to respect it. It kept more guys committed to him on certain plays, and then it would open up throws or would open up lanes for J.K. Dobbins. So the fact that Lawrence is mobile adds another dimension to ETN's game it's just, Clemson's offense is so well-rounded, and they've got a pretty good offensive line this year, too. Um, I, I wouldn't say as good as Ohio State's. I think Ohio State's is just another one of the best offensive lines I've ever seen coming into this season. But uh, Clemson has just an incredible group on offense and on defense. Their defense was lights out against Miami. Um, I don't see anyone beating them until the playoff uh, if that's Ohio State or a team from the SEC. Uh, you bring up a lot of good points about Clemson. You know, I first of all, it's really odd to me that they can win a game 42-17, to 17, and if you told me that was the score before the game started, I would have thought, okay, Miami's overranked. They're not as good as we thought they were. I actually watched Miami and was still very impressed with Miami's quality of athletes, which tells me, how good Clemson is, that they beat a team that good. Now, they're going to face two more, right now, top 10 teams, North Carolina and Notre Dame. I've not seen North Carolina, but I think Miami is every bit the equal of Notre Dame, maybe a little bit better. Yes, I I totally agree with you there. They have a legit group of pass rushers up front, Miami does. Derek King is the real deal at quarterback, at least for the college level, I think. Um, I... Miami was a legit team. That's a win that was very impressive to handle a team like that. When Miami 
looked pretty good still, like you said, in a 42-17 loss somehow. Um, and they're on the right track, but this this Clemson team is pretty special, and it's going to take a special group from somewhere else to beat them. Um, Notre Dame kind of didn't look as dominant this week as you'd like against Florida State, which is a program that's still really struggling, hasn't been the same since mm-hmm. back in the Jameis Winston days. But uh, I, I really don't think there's anyone in the ACC that can challenge Clemson this year, even with the addition of Notre Dame. Well, the other two things that stood out to me from Clemson, uh, besides Etienne and Lawrence are just dialed in, really playing at an elite level, is the addition of Braden Galloway at tight end. You know, when Ohio State tangled with Clemson in the playoff a few years ago, the 31 to nothing game, Clemson had Jordan Leggett at tight end, and he was a big part of what they did. And then they had it's Mike Williams out wide. And so they were a very difficult team to defend at different levels of the field. Last year when Ohio State played Clemson, Galloway had been suspended all season long and was coming back for that game. And we thought, wow, you know, maybe we'll see a lot of tight end in that game. We did not. But now it's very clear Braden Galloway is a big part of what Clemson does on offense. And that just complicates covering, you know, deep down the field, which they have guys who can go deep. They have ETN, who's just ridiculous out of the backfield as a receiver and running the ball on his like 74-yard touchdown run. He gave a really good, you know, shake and bake move and and just left uh I think it was Bolden in Miami uh, safety in his in his wake. And Lawrence as you mentioned can run. They just really have no we, their weakest link I agree with you is their offensive line. But again, Miami really didn't cause Trevor Lawrence that much trouble. Oh, yeah, it's it's weakest, but it's still great. Yeah, <laughs> they have a great O line, and it's the weakest part of that offense. Um, I mean, they've got a five star guy at tackle out of Ohio, Jackson Carmen, who was Ohio State really wanted. Um, they, they they've been building that offensive lineup. They've been building because when Clemson first started winning national championships, they were doing with talent that wasn't of the level Ohio State and Alabama right. were recruiting. Now they have those recruits. Yeah. And that's what's made the difference there. Uh, really respect Dabo Sweeney as a coach for sure. Uh, and I think as far as the tight ends go, I will say this, though. If we're talking specifically Big Ten teams, I think uh, that facet of the game is something Ohio State or Penn State could handle well because both of them have deep athletic linebacker mm-hmm. cores. Um, and that's what you need to cover tight ends, really, is you, you have to have a couple linebackers that can both play in the box and then go stay with a tight end going vertical or running a post route or what have you. Uh, so that's one area I could see, but you add, it's the mix of everything, right? Because the linebackers also have to respect Trevor Lawrence and running the ball. And do you spy a guy on him? Do you really emphasize the rush lane discipline? So it's another thing where, yeah, you can focus on the tight end, but Clemson can beat you in so many other ways. Yeah, they can. And, uh, you know, the one good thing for Ohio State, as it would be uh, relative to their prep for Clemson, I think the Big Ten will afford Ohio State opportunities to deal with an impact tight end. Fryermuth at Penn State is that. Harbaugh always uses the tight ends well at Michigan. We think Ohio State will most likely, now if you'd bet on it, it'd be Wisconsin in the Big Ten title game, and the Badgers always use their tight ends a lot. So that will not be something that Ohio State has not seen. One thing that I saw Saturday watching Clemson that I did not expect to see was a secondary that covered as well down the field one-on-one. Absolutely. Miami has dudes, and those Clemson corners, 
I thought they were vulnerable at corner last year to Ohio State in the title game. Guys were open, and they had some success throwing. Those Clemson DBs that they've stuck in there this year, taking the place of, I think, three of the four in the NFL, man, their corners look great on Saturday. Absolutely. Uh, I thought that would be, like you, the one weakness potentially on defense to exploit, um, or at least one area that wasn't as good as the rest of the defense. But they, you know, they, they always have a great pass rush. They always have some athletic linebackers there at Clemson. Um, but the, the secondary really showed out in that game, and it's just, you know, where's the hole in the team? And it's the same thing you said about Clemson last year, and eventually LSU, I think, actually did kind of take advantage of that secondary in the title game. But where's, where's the hole this year for Clemson? Uh, and you are waiting now. We have two more weeks here. Mm-hmm. You're waiting to see if Ohio State is as complete a team as they were last year because there's question marks, right? And ironically, for Ohio State, the biggest is the secondary. Yeah, sure. Um, so if you're comparing now apples to apples because these two teams are getting compared as like two of the top teams in the country now, especially with how Alabama's defense looked this past week, you need to see a complete Perform, you need to see complete performances from Ohio State like they were doing last season. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's what I'll be watching for from them. Now, I just mentioned Dabo Sweeney as a head coach uh, a little bit ago. A lot of respect for him, obviously, and what he's built there. One guy who we thought would have built something oh, he had pretty the, good. He had the star of a seal of approval from all Ohio State fans. Yes, absolutely. One guy we thought might have built something by now is Tom Herman down at Texas. Bruce, what is your opinion of the current state of Texas football? Well, I I don't think you can absolve him. They've lost now seven times to unranked teams. And I just try to put that in a context. If Jim Harbaugh is under fire from people, not so much at Michigan, but outside Michigan, and justifiably so, you can't go, you know, 0-5 against Ohio State. Um you can't fail to win a Big Ten title or be a fact. You can't get beat as bad as he gets beat. But when he gets beat, he gets beat by ranked teams. I just can't fathom a James Franklin, a Jim Harbaugh, heaven forbid, a Ryan Day losing to an unranked team seven times. Now, Urban Meyer took criticism when he'd have their hiccup against uh, Iowa, against a Purdue when those teams were undefeated. But it wasn't a regular occurrence multiple times a season like Tom Herman. He's got all the talent in the state of Texas he could possibly want. When he was Ohio State's offensive coordinator in 2014 and they won the national title, sure, he got a lot of credit for that, as he should have. They're playing with Cardale Jones, who started the season three on the depth chart. But I used to get calls from people on my sports talk show in Cleveland when Ohio State struggled the next year with uh, Tim Beck and Ed Warner as offensive coordinator, and they'd say, oh, it's Tom Herman, it's Tom Herman. And I pushed back against that. I said, look, don't overlook it. It's Urban's the genius. He's the guy with all the rings. Now Tom Herman, after his really phenomenal first year at Houston, you got to wonder what's missing. That's my question is what is missing that he's just not moving Texas up? What are we in year four? Yes, absolutely. Um, I think it's assistant coaches. I think that's the biggest hole for them. I actually, this is a side thing from that. I actually got a text from some a friend, you know, in a group chat the other day saying that, uh, his Houston team would beat any of his Texas teams. And I was like, you know what? That might actually be that true. Might be true. And to think four years in, we'd be saying that. It's crazy. But um, he just hasn't found 
you need good assistant coaches, right? What was Urban's biggest weakness at the end of his tenure at Ohio State? Well, he had a few weaknesses at linebacker coach and defensive coordinator. Right. You start hiring guys who are friends that aren't that are friends and not necessarily the best man for the job. I think that was the case in Texas right now. They clearly, clearly need a change at defensive coordinator. And that's a former Buckeye assistant, Chris Ash. Yes. Um on Chris former Ash, Rutgers head coach. Chris Ash did all right at Ohio State, I think. But uh, So Herman and Ash were on that 2014 staff for Urban as right. offensive and defensive coordinator. Ash goes to Rutgers, and there's no disgrace not getting it done there. Nobody gets it done there, uh, particularly in the Big Ten East. They're never going to win the Big Ten East. Uh, but, you know, then when you take Tim Beck, and then they replace Tim Beck, and now they have another former Ohio State assistant and Mike Yursich. Offense not the problem at Texas. I mean, they're scoring. No. But they just can't stop anybody. Absolutely. And it's been a problem all four years Tom Herman's been there. And there's been years the offense has been a little bit of an issue for them, too. They couldn't score. They had a chance to beat Oklahoma in the Big 12 title game, I think. I forget if it was 2018 or 19, and it just felt like they couldn't score. Um, But, yeah, that's the main issue for me right now with Texas, is that he hasn't gone out and hired the best assistants, the assistants he needs to take Texas to the next level. And you've got to win the games you're supposed to win, like Correct. you were saying. If you can't beat these unranked teams consistently, it's a, it's all right to get upset every once in a while. M- lots of coaches get great coaches, get upset, right? We've seen Saban fall a couple times in the regular season. We've seen Urban, obviously, the Iowa and Purdue yep. games. But it can't happen multiple times no. a year, year in and year out. And that's what's happening at Texas right now, is they're losing a lot of games they shouldn't. Uh, and that's what's the big concern. And he's four years in. I don't give him a pass for the COVID stuff because four years in, you should have the program standards yes, you and the culture in place to overcome circumstances like COVID-19. Um, and the start, frankly, should be unacceptable to a lot of Texas fans and um, boosters there. Well, they have two losses. They could easily have three. They had a fire drill to come back and beat Texas Tech. Uh, it's just not at all what they signed up for. He has all the resources in the world. He's got his own network. He's got in-state talent, facilities, every box you need to check to win. He's got it. He's got a league that's very friendly. He's got one team to beat, Oklahoma. Couldn't do that when Oklahoma was down. Uh, And then TCU has been a thorn in their side, and TCU may get one kid a year that Texas wants, but they don't. Texas picks. I remember Mac Brown was there. He just picks guys. He doesn't really recruit them. He just selects them. So uh, Herman has been a major disappointment at Texas so far. You're listening and watching the uh, A Few Good Men on the Big Ten podcast, watching it on the Chris Landry Football Channel on Twitch, which we appreciate very, very much. You can catch it uh, on your device by going to LandryFootball.com. And we want to remind you that you should not forget to take advantage of our special gaming offers from American betting experts. Go to LandryFootball.com, click on the ad in the upper right-hand side of the page, pick the gaming site that's legal in your state. FanDuel may be one of them, uh, DraftKings may be one of them, BetMGM, PointsBet, whatever it is, make sure it's one that's legal in your state. Sign up. You'll instantly receive an account deposit match or risk-free bet from $100 to $1,000. It's that easy. We want to thank our sponsor, American Betting Experts. Andy, we talk a lot on our podcast about Ohio State and Clemson as if it's a foregone conclusion. We know there's a season to play. There's eight games. We don't know what's going to happen. But I really would take for the national championship at this point in time. Nothing nothing I have seen so far has moved me off my spot 
which is I'd take Ohio State Clemson against the field in terms of any other team worming its way into winning its way into the national title game. I just think that strongly that we are headed much like back in the day we were almost always headed for a Cavaliers Warriors NBA Finals series for four straight years or way back in the day it always seemed to be Yankees, you know, Dodgers in the World Series. I think we're headed for Ohio State Clemson. To me, it'll be a surprise to me if anybody else makes it into the title game. Yeah, no, especially again with how Alabama looked this past weekend. Uh, and the holes they have on defense. I was thinking that could be the one team because they've always got, you know, Saban has still won, I think, like all but one of the recruiting titles the past six, seven years. Mm -hmm. So they have the talent in place, and you would think that, you know, he's definitely shown the ability to develop and to scheme around said talent. But, you know, this year they have some weaknesses, and Ohio State and Clemson just look like more complete teams at this point, even though Ohio State has yet to play. Uh, we definitely know that about Clemson, but I, I totally agree with you. I'd pick Ohio State and Clemson against the field. Uh, would be shocked if one of those two teams didn't end up making, you know, they they could meet in the first round of the playoffs through some circumstance. Yeah, maybe Clemson gets knocked off by, you know, at Notre Dame or North Carolina. They struggled with North Carolina a year ago. I think this might be the year the ACC might get two in the playoff. Yeah, uh, the way the Big 12s looked, uh, will the Pac-12 even really be a factor with only seven games, and uh, you'll have to see how the top teams of the Pac-12 play out. They have you know, they've been the weakest of the Power Five as of late, but Big Twelve again. The Big Twelve really hasn't looked good at all this year. Their only hope right now in the Big Twelve is Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's the only team really standing over there with a chance of a playoff berth, and they're going to have to run through Oklahoma and Texas and the other teams uh, because obviously Oklahoma and Texas aren't getting in with two losses. So. You know, the Big Ten could also buy for two teams, and the SEC is always in that running. But if it's going to happen for the ACC, it would be this year. Yeah, I could see maybe if Penn State, Ohio State's a knockdown, dragout, close result. Uh, whoever survives that goes to the title game. The other team continues to win impressively. Maybe that team would get, you know, uh, some strong consideration yes. for a fourth playoff berth. Um, I want to remind you that you can go to LandryFootball.com for a look at football from every perspective, the coaching, the scouting, the administrative, high school, college, NFL, fantasy, recruiting, free agency. You got it there. It's pregame, postgame, film analysis, all the inside scoop, all the players, teams, coaches, and schemes at LandryFootball.com. If you love football, you will love LandryFootball.com. Two aspects of Ohio State still waiting to play, Clemson being, what are they, 4-0 now, 3-0? 3-0. Um Trevor Lawrence has a head start in the Heisman. Uh, he gets a chance to build a case before Justin Fields gets to build a case with it, with two weeks still intervening between now and the Buckeyes opener. Does Trevor Lawrence's early start and the general um, attachment to him of Heisman Trophy favorite, number one overall pick, is that something that Justin Fields can overcome if Trevor Lawrence, let's put it this way, if Trevor Lawrence continues to play the way he's playing now, okay, certainly a loss or bad performance, but we don't have any reason to believe that Trevor Lawrence is going to go into a slump or play worse than he's playing right now. He is who he is. He's got a two-year track record, two-year plus. If Trevor Lawrence continues to play like he's playing now, I don't see Ohio State overtaking Clemson for number one. Do you think Justin Fields could overtake Trevor Lawrence for Heisman? No, not if he, again, not if he continues playing the way he's played now. 
Uh, there's just too much gap there when you consider he'll have two extra games uh, to put together those moments, those Heisman moments that you look for, accumulate stats. Uh, he's making a very he's making a great early impression with the voters, and we all know how people can make up their or how early people can make up their minds in these things. Um, not that you know this, the phrase September Heisman is a thing for a reason, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Um, I, I think just with the extra games that he gets, it would take something phenomenal from Justin Fields this year, uh, something that just totally, you know, a Dwayne Haskins type passing season with rushing numbers that are, uh, you know, also very good to I think knock off Trevor Lawrence in that race. It it would really take something special from Justin Fields in this season to overtake Trevor Lawrence at this point, I think. You know, I also feel like the schedule works against uh, Justin Fields in that Ohio State's going to play Nebraska, Penn State, and then it's like sleepy time theater. With yes. I don't know the order, but it's like Illinois, Rutgers, Maryland, Indiana – Basically, we're just marking time until the final game of the regular season against Michigan, and I'm certainly not saying Michigan's any threat. It's just the, it's just that's the only game left that has any real. Wow, I can't wait to watch that one. Right, you know Lawrence is going to have a game at Notre Dame in late October. Uh, he's going to have North Carolina. He's going to have an ACC title game against a team that's a top ten team. Maybe Ohio State will too, against Wisconsin. But I feel like those. Those games where you make that statement, signature, highlight in a one-way-or-the-other-outcome game, uh, Trevor Lawrence has that edge, it seems to me, where Justin Fields, he's he's probably not going to see very many fourth quarters no. between the second week and the final week. Absolutely. I think Penn State, Michigan, and the Big Ten title game are the only three chances for him to really put together some sort of Heisman moments. Um, and like you said, Trevor Lawrence is just going to have way more opportunity. Um, and, you know, that's where the easy schedule works against Ohio State. Obviously, it's also, if they drop a game somewhere, then with the easy schedule, it's how can you make up that ground for the college football playoff uh, unless you get back to the Big Ten title game and you're still the conference champion. I think one lost Big Ten champion might still have a shot, especially with how the Big 12 is playing, but that's... That's beside the point. As it relates to the Heisman race, I think those Heisman moments are just so key, and voters want something they can look at and point to. Um, and when you have all the eyes on you, that's when you win the Heisman, and the voters aren't going to be watching as much of Justin Fields as they are of Trevor Lawrence, both for the number of games and the big games. Now, I misspoke. They do not play Carolina in the regular season, but they do play Notre Dame on November the 7th. So if they get Carolina, it'll be in the ACC title game. And, you know, I don't know the rest of Carolina's schedule. The way they're rolling, maybe Carolina's an undefeated team at that point in time. And, you know, that would have quite a bit of intrigue to it and would give Trevor Lawrence a kind of platform that you uh, certainly don't wouldn't think he'd give away any lead that he has at that point in time. One other thing I want to chat with you about before we get to our you can't handle the truth moment of the week. You know, Clemson's regular season, Andy, is going to conclude on Saturday, December the 5th, and then they're going to play their title game. Uh, I'm not sure if it's the 12th or the 19th, but uh, Ohio State is going to play, you know, its games in a more compressed time than Clemson will. Clemson will have been together as a team for, I'm going to say, approximately about three to three weeks to four weeks longer than Ohio State. 
Is that a factor if they do play in the playoff, that Ohio State's season is compressed? Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Do you think it has no impact? Because certainly the Clemson kids have been used to playing on that long time frame in previous years. This is just a funny year with COVID. Right. I just I don't think it'll be a huge uh, draw one way or the other. I think the bigger impact is that Ohio State will be playing later in the season a little bit and will have... Less bowl prep practices. Obviously, you're not going to know who your opponent is beforehand. And Clemson and Ohio State, at least for what we think, probably aren't going to meet in the first round. Um, So you would have already had a game under your belt, and I think that lessens the impact of that. So no, I don't think it'll really be a factor. Um, The extra game time for Clemson is good to iron out issues. Obviously, the more game experience you can get, guys, the better. But at the same time, it might mean Ohio State's healthier. Um, and I think the eight, the nine game schedule actually really sets you up well if you can go undefeated through it and run the gauntlet mm-hmm. as Ohio State to roll into the playoff with a certain momentum. Whereas Clemson, it being earlier and more spread out and having buys and, uh, you know, having and then having that longer gap before your bowl game could have a, an. You're going to be fresher because you've waited longer, but it could also have the effect of rust that you have to knock off. And again, if they're not meeting in the first round, then it's not as big of a deal for that. But uh, yeah, I, I would say it's not a huge swing one way or the other that Clemson will have had that longer three season by three or four weeks. All right. Uh, it is that point of the week where we bring you our You Can't Handle the Truth moment. Hemisphere Coffee Roasters sponsors it. Get 15% off your order from Hemisphere Coffee Roasters. They buy their coffee from around the world. It's the best coffee you'll ever taste. It is from Indonesia, from Thailand, from Nicaragua. You can get any blend, light, medium, dark roast. You can get it roasted. You can get whole bean. You can get it in K-Cups. Go to HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Use the promo code in all caps, BIG10, and you'll get 15% off for being a viewer and a watcher of the A Few Good Men on the Big Ten podcast. You can't handle the truth! All right, Andy, what's your You Can't Handle the Truth moment this week? Well, mine's just that I think we should pump the brakes on North Carolina a little bit. I don't think... I I think ranking them ahead of Ohio State at this point is a little bit jumping the gun, saying that this North Carolina team's a top-five team. I know the Virginia Tech win, fairly impressive, but... Virginia Tech was a school hit particularly hard by uh, COVID-19. They had 15 players and two coaches out for that game um, with either the injury or cor- with either an injury or the coronavirus. Um, and really North Carolina hasn't shown the defense yet, giving up 45 points in that game to a team that started played two different quarterbacks, not because one of them got hurt but because it decided to go with another one over the other. Um, you know, two quarterbacks split time for Virginia Tech. I, I just, North Carolina hasn't shown enough yet that I think you should be putting them in the top five ahead of Ohio State when Ohio State returns what they return. Um, I would like to just wait until they play another really good team, uh, which they don't for a while. If they If they stay rolling... Then maybe I understand the whole thing of Ohio State hasn't played anyone yet. North Carolina has kind of earned a higher ranking, and I agree that they're a top ten team. But top five at this point, with the likes of Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, Notre Dame, those are the other four ranked ahead ahead of them. I just I don't see it for the Mac Brown led Tar Heels. Um, 
But yeah, that's just my thoughts on the matter. A, l- a little small truth today. Very but, good. Uh, that is Andy's You Can't Handle the Truth. You can't handle the truth! Um, I, I'm astounded, and not, this is not a knock on Ohio State. It's a knock on Big Ten protocols. Uh, Ohio State has one of the biggest press boxes in the country. And the conference or the state of Ohio or somebody is, to in my estimation, restricting the number of reporters who can cover football this year to, did they say 30? It's 30. 30 in the press box. Now, if you've never been in the Ohio State press box, it is massive. It stretches from basically the whole length of the field. Right. It is three levels, okay? So you have, if you're on the first level, the second level is like way above you. The third level is way above you. And also, we're in a era where fans can't get in. So we have lots and lots of luxury boxes and sky boxes. And uh, there is a, a level at the B level of Ohio State where the donors who pay an ex- a high amount of money to have that kind of luxury box approach sit. I just find it very hard to believe that with all those suites that are now vacant because fans can't get in and with the space that they have in the press box that 30 is the number right? for reporters covering the sport. Again, I'm not criticizing the SID staff because I know this is dictated to them by someone else. Absolutely. And my guess is it's the conference. And if it is a decision that, well, at Northwestern, their press box is only big enough to hold 30 people, so ergo Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, and others can only have 30, that's ridiculous. There is not nearly the interest in Rutgers football or Maryland football within their own respective states that there is in the state of Ohio in football. And it puts the SIDs in a very, very unfair position to pick who gets in and who doesn't. It is bound to inspire a lot of very hard feelings. And I say this not knowing whether uh, my affiliations are getting in or not. I I feel bad for uh, media entities that have spent a lot of money over the years to send multiple people on the road with Ohio State. I just think it puts the SIDs in a very tenuous spot to evaluate, well, you've done a better job of covering them or you've devoted more resources to covering them. And um, I'm fine with capping the number of people from each entity, but to limit it to 30, and I have to restrict my comments just to Ohio Stadium because that's the box I know the best. 30 people in an Ohio Stadium press box, Andy, feels like you're in solitary confinement. Absolutely. Um, it'll be, yes, 30 home Ohio State credentials for uh, outsides that cover the team. It's, I've, you know, I've spent now, this would have been my third year in that press box. I'm, I do not think I'll get a credential this year based off those numbers. I'm working, the outlet I'm affiliated with for that, uh, that I'm working with, we aren't, um, we're in our first year covering Ohio State football, haven't dedicated all the resources that, the 11 Warriors and the Letterman Rose and the Columbus Dispatches of the world have. But I think um, 30 people, normally it's 225, I believe is what Jerry yeah. said. Right. So twenty. So 30% of 225 would be 70-something, which is twice as many as they're allowing. And again, that's just in the box part. That's not the suites and all that. That will be empty. Right. That will be empty. Uh, there are other booths up there. I mean, it's just, 
And by the way, you've got a stadium that seats 100,000 people that I'm sure any reporter from any small paper in the state of Ohio would be willing, given the choice of not getting in at all, to getting in and being able to sit in the stands and cover a game with a with a tablet on their you know lap or whatever. I just, it's, I just think it's a an unfortunate decision from wherever it emanated, and I'm sure it did not emanate from each individual school. Yes, I, I know it didn't emanate from Ohio State's uh, SID staff. Uh, I know absolutely Jerry Emig, who's you know the lead on that for them, didn't want to limit it this much for the reporters. But you know you got to follow what's uh, being told in the end. You got to follow what the order of the day is, and unfortunately, there's not going to be a whole lot of people in the press boxes here. One thing I will say, though, is that a lot of advantages of being in the press box, being in the stadium to cover the games, is the ability to go talk to players and coaches afterward, get your questions in, and reporters that aren't at the stadium will still be able to do that this year because of the Zoom calls. Um, You know, they're not doing the press conferences in person post-game. no. Common sense takes a holiday in 2020. Yes. Common sense takes a holiday. Common sense takes a holiday. Uh, we do not take a holiday. We'll be back again Monday with another edition of the A Few Good Men on the Big Ten podcast. We appreciate you all joining us via the Chris Landry Football Channel on Twitch. Catch the podcast at LandryFootball.com. Everybody have a great week. And next week we'll be one week away from actual football games. Five days even. Five days away. Can't wait for it. Everybody have a great day. <laughs>